There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Rarely going where no one has gone before, welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... Redshirt Dave. And I'm Sean Fangirl S, and today we'll be discussing Episode 6 of Season 2 of Star Trek Lower Deck. Uh, I think I'm going to hate what I hear, but... (laughs) What'd you think about the episode, Dave? Oh, no, I liked it. I gave it... I know we're not rating, but if we were rating, I gave it uh, four out of five big brown packlet smears. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the psych jokes were really good, especially for uh, Becky. Should I be calling her Becky now? I can't get used to it. I wrote down Mariner in my notes, but when she was victimized by some of those things that they were collecting, I thought it was hilarious. Like, I didn't like last week's episode because it was just them driving around. Right. At least the sight jokes and some of the verbal barbs and jokes, I, I thought landed a lot better this week. Oh, absolutely it did. Sean? I liked it. I will tell you, we had run to the grocery store earlier in the day, and we come home and we pull in the driveway. I'm like, lower deck, lower deck. <laughs> this is like my palate cleanser for the week, which I kind of wish it was on Friday, but I wouldn't want to wait till Fridays to watch it. Right. But because it's just so like funny and stupid, and the fact that you could watch this without being a past Star Trek fan, because even some of the Star Trek stuff they're making fun of. So mm. I just love it. I, I love everything about it. And then this one was just, it had a little bit of a feel good thing happening. So I was digging <laughs> this one. Yeah, you need it after watching What If. Yeah. Right? That's <laughs> why I said palate cleanser for the week. It's like yeah. Some of our shows that we talk about on the Fangirl Zone have been pretty dark and grim. And then this one just like, yes, it's just stupid and funny. And I enjoy it. Well, I did enjoy the episode as well. It was nice to see Mariner on the receiving end of some of the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I also. Bit of a payback. Yeah, just a little (laughs) payback. And I like the way the red shirt thing ended up playing out with Casey getting what he deserves and Boehm's getting a gold star from Ransom. That was. Awesome. <laughs> I love that they brought in that, that red shirt thing because that's always been a fan thing. Right. So you call yourself pulling, red shirts? <laughs> yeah. So pulling that in, I'm like, oh, nice, nice. I call myself red shirt. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this episode. Episode six The Spy Humongous. It's time for Anomaly Consolidation Day on the USS Cerritos. Leaving the lower deckers with mixed emotions, Captain Freeman attempts to negotiate peace on the Packlet homeworld. This Good luck with be that. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so Captain Carol Freeman, again, I will say her name, Carol Freeman and Shax are about to beam down to the Packlet planet for their negotiations <laughs> for a ceasefire. And Freeman notes that with a civilization like the Packlet, negotiations shouldn't be too difficult. Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> mm. They beam down and meet the Packlet ambassador, Rubedin. 
who confuses her with Captain Janeway. That's why I repeated her name again. <laughs> Freeman corrects him, saying that she's there to negotiate. And Groobden tells her that he's been misinformed, that he's not authorized to make ceasefire deal. My helmet isn't that big. Like, <laughs> what? Are we getting into uh, baseballs here? What's going on? Yes. <laughs> As Freeman asks to see someone with a bigger helmet, uh-huh, <laughs> a Packlid comes running out of the building they're in front of, telling everyone that an escaped Packlid prisoner, Rumdar, escaped from the planet and fled to dun 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 the Cerritos. Rumdin accuses Freeman of taking him deliberately, and Freeman contacts Commander Jack Ransom, who confirms that Rumdar has arrived on the Cerritos. A Apparently seeking political asylum. Kind of hard to tell based on what he said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what he wants to know. Unwilling to accept this, Grubden de- detains Freeman and Shax with the condition that they are not allowed to leave until Rumdar is returned to them. First, they're smart enough to come up with this plan, but they're dumb as rocks and everything else. Right. <laughs> <sighs> well, they're pretty dumb as rocks for most of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you knew what they were up to from the beginning, and it was just like facepalm. Can you really be the that dumb but yeah. nobody else will know what you're doing i was trying to figure out if rumdar was some type of word puzzle like red rum but yeah <laughs> couldn't, come up, couldn't come up with anything so we go to the cerritos mess hall where mariner boimler tendy and rutherford are eating breakfast when they get their assignments for the day and mariner is dismayed to see that they've been assigned anomaly consolidation duty oh it rolls right out the lips steve oh it sure does <laughs> ACD. Yeah. <laughs> While Boimler and Tendy are excited for the job, Mariner complains that it's basically just a trash day for them. As the items are dangerous, they simply can't recycle them. Boimler gets up but loses his balance and falls to the ground, spilling his breakfast <laughs> on himself, as Boimler does. And Tendy can't help but laugh at the situation, and Boimler excuses himself to get cleaned up. He really laughed. <laughs> yeah. As he leaves, he's called over by Ensign Casey, who's sitting with Jennifer Castro and a Kenzie Ensign. They're aware of his service aboard the Titan, and they invite him to join their club, the Red Shirts, a club that helps command Ensign's <laughs> rank up. Really? Oh, my God. Cr- I just snorted. I did. It just makes me laugh. Join the red shirts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As they are down a member following the promotion of Ensign Pajak, and they're transferred to the USS Ventura. With Boimler's service with William T. Riker, they believe Boimler's contributions would be invaluable to them. Oh, they're just using him. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Or else have we seen that? Yeah. They <laughs> inform him of an acting captain's duty that will happen later in the day, and Casey promises to let him in on the job if he tells them all about his time with Riker. What's he have, like ESP? Yeah, I guess so. How do you know there's going to be an opening at the end of the day? Right. Scheduled, there's no scheduled drinking party. No. <laughs> I guess Freeman has decided to have <laughs> a special acting captain day yeah. for the de- lower deckers. And he's the only Maybe one not invited. they know there's something like in between shifts, like some knockoff early, like all the time. Right. That's a possibility as well. Now, Boimler is hesitant due to his consolidation duty, but Casey tells him that the reason he's likely back on the Cerritos is that he is unable to carry himself like a leader, convincing Boimler to join up with them. 
that was a dick move, him saying yeah, it, it like that. Like, <laughs> oh, you're back on this craptastic barge because you suck. It's like, what? I know, way to sweet talk somebody. Right? Yeah. And yet, Boimler's like, okay. <laughs> and we see Ransom and Kayshawn are escorting Rumdar down the corridor, and Ransom asks for his reasons in seeking asylum, speculating religious persecution... <laughs> Or if he might be leading a rebellion. Rumdar tells him he wishes to see how their shields work. Get right to it. <laughs> yeah. Not Dom, not answering the questions. You're going to mm. answer my question. <laughs> Did you guys expect to see Kayshawn again? No. And again? Me too. No. I thought it was a one-off for an episode. Here he is, back in and then back again. Yep. Fine. Yeah, I like it. Ransom and Kayshawn immediately realize that Rumdar is not a refugee, but has infiltrated the Cerritos as a spy. I don't think I'm calling the spy. <laughs> not a very good one. Yeah, maybe wannabe. They notify Freeman of the situation, and when she asks if there's been any problems, they deny noting Rumdar's incompetency at his job. <laughs> oh my god, that's, he just took a picture of his shoe. I yeah. Think. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Believing they could use this against them, Freeman tells them to keep talking with him in hopes that they can get some information behind the attacks. So Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford are outside Ransom's quarters and enter to find a bunch of unlabeled crystals on his desk. That can't be good. And they begin to carefully put them inside storage containers when Tendi picks up a container holding the skull of a large frog. Rutherford warns her that it came from a planet with weird evolution, but accidentally drops the container. The skull they were too good with those containers, were they? No. Oh my god, they just kept dropping everything. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the skull dissolves into a green mist that Rutherford inhales, causing his body to dramatically enlarge in a matter of moments. Sounds like Hulk from like, last week's What If. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I know, exactly. All these shows are a mirror universe. Yes. <laughs> As he continues to enlarge, Mariner tells Tendy to grab a rev vial and to rub the substance under Rutherford's nose. She does so, causing Rutherford to return back to normal, though he is disoriented and vomits when Boimler mm -hmm. and the red shirts walk by, talking about Riker and how he was always cleaning his trombone. Oh, that what you're calling what? it these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ransom and Kayshawn finish showing Rumdar, now wearing a Cerritos t-shirt and baseball cap, the top secret gift shop, and offer to show him the high security juice bar next. Rumdar declines, wanting to see the warp core. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. You should have just told me you'd already saw the warp core. Right. Ransom and Kayshawn have a small laugh that the packlet isn't exactly as top-notch as the Talishar and decide to try and see if they can get him to tell them about the packlet system. However, when they turn around, they're shocked to see that Rumdar has disappeared. Well, at least he was able to get away from them. Yeah, that, got that going for him. Yeah. <laughs> Nature calls. Yeah, Ransom asks the computer to locate him, but the computer reports <laughs> there is no packlet on the ship. What? Yeah. Turned out to be true. <laughs> I was definitely thinking that it was actually not a packlet, though. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, was it really not a packlet? And it was something disguised as one? Yeah, that could have very well have been the outcome. What do you think uh, Eclipso made him think that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unsure how he has left the ship, or if he's in possession of a personal cloaking device, they split up in a rush to find him. If that guy was in charge of a cloaking device, he'd end up in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> 
No doubt about that. No doubt. So Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford are continuing consolidation, picking up various items, all of which discharge various effects on Mariner, much to her annoyance, which I one of the funniest parts of the episode to me, but still. Yes. Can't you be a little more careful with this stuff? On Packlid Planet, a Packlid offers Freeman some rotten mush fruit, which she declines and says she just wishes to talk about the ceasefires. Almost looks like the stuff that uh, Boimler smeared himself with when he got off from breakfast table. Right. He <laughs> said the writers must be into mush. The Packlet, who still confuses her with Janeway, takes offense to this, but for anything can happen, another Packlet announces the entrance of the Packlet Queen. As Freeman greets her, and the Queen tells Freeman that she cannot kill Rumdar, that they want it. they want to kill him. I like that. <laughs> she, Freeman's like, what? And Freeman assures her that they have no interest in killing him. The Queen asks to speak to him. Freeman contacts Ransom, asking to speak to Rumdar, but Ransom tells her they've temporarily lost track of him. I like their reaction. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Freeman tells the queen that Rumdar is using the bathroom, not far from the truth, and tries no. to initiate, <laughs> tries to initiate yeah, lady, you're psychic, and tries to initiate talks for the ceasefire, but the queen tells her that she's not authorized to make ceasefires, as her helmet is not big enough, much to Freeman's annoyance. Back on the, good Lord. Back on the street, it was Casey and the other... kidding me. <laughs> yeah, boom, boom. Good one. <laughs> Back on the street, it was Casey. I know, that was funny. Casey and the other Richards are giving Boimler a makeover. Ooh, Maybe he'll get his own series on makeovers. <laughs> yeah, helps when his justice posture modifies uniform and changes hairstyle. When Boimler is hesitant with these changes, when the makeovers finish, he admits that he does feel great. They exit the room and accidentally bump into the cart that Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford are using. Of course they did. Why would they secure that cart? <laughs> Tendi and Boimler briefly chat, but the red shirts called Boimler away. Kind of remind me of high school. Yeah. Clicks. In his rush to leave, Boimler accidentally knocks over a container of nanobots, much to Rutherford's frustration. While they clean up the nanobots, Tenny tries to cheer them up, only for Mary to scold her and telling her that the constant happy-go-lucky attitude can get grating and that sometimes work can just be work and frustrating. I don't know why she... I mean, they, they're they supposed to be pretty best friends now, but every once in a while, they stick in a conflict between their friends. They do it like every episode. Right. Like Boimler's fighting with uh, Becky or whatever. I don't know why they do that. Or they get impatient with... Uh, Rutherford, and they're just trying to set up their own jokes. Taken aback by this, Tendi apologizes while Ransom and Kayshawn continue to desperately try and find Rumdar. I love, though, that Mariner, as she's talking, you see her hand go up. You see the nanobots, like, creeping up her arm. And you never see see him get off of her. (laughs) Like, okay. I get that off. (laughs) Maybe Rumdar couldn't find the bathroom because our man and Croc wrecked it. (laughs) (laughs) Crossover. Crossover. Castro tells Boimler that being captain is the role of a lifetime, that the captain needs to be prepared to give a rousing speech to the crew at a moment's notice, and challenges Boimler to give a rousing speech, considering a tempo rift, a plasma grid, and broken replicators. Threw that in, in case there wasn't any tea, Earl Grey, hot, I suppose. Right. <laughs> On the spot, Boimler attempts a speech, but is hesitant and doesn't impress the other members. Boimler says that it isn't the same experience as being on the bridge, and Casey replies that bridge is wherever he is. Woohoo. He tells Boimler to close his eye, think about Riker. This guy's got a Riker fixation. And say what yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he really? Say what he would say from the heart, especially a Riker's heart. <laughs> Boimler does so, imagining himself on the bridge of a galaxy-class starship and gives a speech that prompts a small round of applause by the red shirt, boosting Boimler's confidence. Mariner Tendi and Rutherford reach the office of Dr. Maglimo, and Tendi's surprised that even Maglimo has anomalies. Mariner just calls it a bunch of junk, and Tendi expresses frustration that all Mariner and Rutherford have done all day is whine, saying that they're not happy with the job, then 
She'll do it herself. Marion Ruffin would happily accept this and sit down while Tenny goes through McGlemo's items and comes up with a storybook of the three little pigs. Don't open that book when she no. opens the book. <laughs> when she opens the book, however, it glows and three enormous pigs come out of the book and materialize into the office running amok. Yeah, those are rude guests. Realizing the book is a book that makes stories come alive, shouldn't that be put in some type of case? Yes. <laughs> Weren't they saying everything should have been in some kind of case? Yeah. yeah. And so what's their, so they go to clean it up by not taking any precautions themselves? Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Then he tries to wrestle the pigs to get them back into the book, but is thrown out of the room and hits a canister holding an alien slug, which I thought was pretty funny, too. It grows to a large size and it's just tinty. I like how it just screams, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marin and Rutherford rush to find a hypospray. Shortly afterward, the slug discharges Tendi, and Marin uses the hypospray, and the slug shrinks back to small size. I wasn't sure it actually discharged her, or she kind of fought her way out. Right. But maybe it is, that's kind of gross if it did. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of brown stain jokes in this episode, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bathroom jokes, too. Well, I mean, I thought it let her go that way because of what Mariner was saying. I mean, who among us have not been pooped out by an alien? Right. Oh, right. oh Tendi. I know. That's a great way to comfort somebody. Mariner. Yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> Mariner and Rutherford rush over to Tendi and ask her if she's okay. And she laments that Anomaly Consolidation Day is really not as good as she thought. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Mariner tries to, I hope we have another one. Mariner tries to comfort her, but Tendi brushes her off angrily, still in shock at what just happened. Yeah, well. <laughs> On Packlet Planet, the situation with the Packlet is starting to deteriorate, and Shax recommends beaming back to the Cerritos. But Freeman is determined to make everything work out. She's always looking for a promotion. Oh, I yeah. Packlets. Careful what you wish for, lady. At that moment, King Packlet, who has a bigger helmet than the Queen, enters the room, and Freeman is about to engage with them when the Emperor of the Packlets, who wears even a bigger helmet, enters. <laughs> <laughs> Freeman, who is running out of patience, is about to talk with them, and then suddenly a multiple Packlets crash through the window to kind the word, Revolution! A conflict breaks out between the Emperor's guards and the rebels, and one of the rebels manages to assassinate the Emperor, declaring that the Packlets will no longer be controlled by big helmeted Packlets. <laughs> I should have said that even dumb. Big helmeted Packlets. However, shortly after declaring this, the large helmet of the Emperor enthralls him, and he puts it on to declare himself the new Packlet leader. Of course he did. The other Packlets immediately bow and subjugate themselves to him, recognizing his strength. Of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. D-A-F. Yeah. <laughs> I have it now. Boimler and the red shirts are walking through the halls, and Boimler admits that he does feel more like a captain than he usually does. And can I say, it looks like he's worked out, like, suddenly. Yeah, yep. the padded Dang. uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Casey tells him that he has to start living like one, saying that this includes changes in your social life, noting that their friends are just as important as the officer on the bridge. Uh-oh, where is this going to go? Boimler uh -huh. points out his friends who are still struggling with the anomalies, and Casey declines, saying that they're always doing dirty work. And Boimler's <laughs> confused, saying, well, we all work in Starfleet, and that we're always all doing dirty work. And Casey says that Boimler's friends don't work in Starfleet, but for Starfleet. And I was just thinking that he is kind of a snob, and I wanted to slap him at that point. Oh, yeah. Boimler, I mean, Boimler defends them. I was going to say Casey struck out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, that's even more than boomer talk. That's like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> 19th century talk. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler defends our little lower deck crew by saying that they've been doing real work that benefits the ship while the Richards have been playing captain all day. And Casey just isn't convinced. I think Boiler was actually starting to get mad, finally. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't he keep a, uh, his own captain's log anyway? Yes, he does. <laughs> he does, because he's such a little awesome nerd. I mean, that's all I'm going to say with that. Tendi is still angry about the consolidation duty as she picks up a glowing pink cube. <laughs> and while Rutherford and Mariner try to calm her down, Tendi starts to explode angrily, but not literally, saying that she hates the Cerritos and that she must have sounded so stupid in her excitement for the job, especially since she was the one that originally volunteered them for the assignment. They ask her why she did it, and she said, well, we're always disappointed that we miss out on all the cool missions, and I thought taking all these items that be collected would be like a mission of our own, but I was wrong. I wish I was still on Orion. And when she said that, I'm like, wait a second. This does not sound very tendy like what's going on. <laughs> but as she's ranting, the, the cube glows brighter and begins to integrate itself into Tendi, causing her to slowly transform. Definitely not a good thing. A theme Mariner, of the show, though. Yeah. yeah. Especially this episode. Mariner and Rutherford try to settle her down, but before they can do anything, Tendi transforms into a giant scorpion-like creature, screaming in rage. Why didn't they make her a crab? Yeah. <laughs> she made her a giant crab. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Mariner rushes to try to find information on the cube that she was holding, but Tendi knocks her and Rutherford aside, knocks out Ransom and Kayshawn, and bursts into the mess hall, going into a rampage. Boimler and the red shirts walk by and see the scene and realize something needs to be done. Yeah, all right. What do you ask? Jennifer enters the mess hall and begins a rousing speech, which starts to inspire some of the crew who are nearby. They had big anime eyes all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but in the middle of the speech, Castro and Casey walk up and start their own speeches, and all the overlapping speeches just confuse the crew. Boimler asks <laughs> if they intend to do anything before acting on his own because he was told, we are, we're inspiring the crew. No, you dumbass. No. <laughs> so he runs over to Tendi telling her, you'll be okay. Mariner tells him that Tendi touched a cube. Boimler realizes that Tendi touched an, I don't even know how to say this one. A taxian. A taxian. Thank you. Mood shifter and gets an idea. And I didn't even figure this out till we were doing this podcast. <laughs> Remembering the accident at breakfast, he rushes to the replicator and replicates some hot baked beans before deliberately pouring them on his head. And it's like, oh, this makes a whole lot more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am that slow. I did not realize. I thought she, I thought, yeah, me too. I thought, oh, was she going to come over and eat the beans <laughs> off his head or something? That's what I was thinking. Like maybe having her like slow down and have to eat like a bean yeah. on her or something. But yeah, as we were doing this, it's like, oh, oh right. <laughs> that makes sense now. Tendi's confused by his actions, as are everybody who's watching him. But she continues to attack. Boimler then replicates a birthday cake with lit candles, all at various temperatures. Yeah. And deliberately <laughs> yeah. slips and falls into it, setting his uniform on fire as well. And Tendi starts to get amused at the sight and starts to laugh. Boimler uh, then replicates a mess. Yeah. <laughs> a large mass of food which shoots out at him, because I think he wanted it all hot and melty. 
causing a huge mess and that Tedley laughs even harder, finally reverting from the scorpion form back to her normal self. Although I was worried because you seen her shirt on her as a scorpion, but you didn't see the pants. Right. I was like, oh no. Instant pant replication. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's like, I'm sorry, this is PG-13, we can swear, but no nudity kind of thing. (laughs) Boimler, of course, makes sure Tendi's okay, and Tendi is grateful and thanks him for saving her life. But Casey is not impressed with the sight and walks away with the red shirt. Excuse me? He's the only one that did anything. Yes, now. (laughs) Ransom and Kayshawn come too in the corridor and are scared that they've been unconscious for a really long time (laughs) and that Rumdar could be absolutely anywhere. As they regret underestimating him, Kayshawn turns to see Rumdar's body out in the vacuum of space. They quickly realize that uh, they never really did underestimate him. (laughs) Steve and I were talking beforehand and we're like, the only thing better would have been him bouncing off the window. Right. Yeah, like Thor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Bunk. In sick bay, Dr. Tiana manages to revive Rumdar, impressed that he was able to survive so long in space, unprotected. So maybe the Packwoods did kind of evolve, just not in the way that we were hoping. Right. <laughs> He's too Kayshaun. dumb to die. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? That's my tinfoil hat theory. <laughs> too dumb to die. Like, how did you even get outside the ship? And Rumdar's like, I went to use the bathroom, and upon flushing, I was suddenly outside. Wow. What? I want to know what you mistook as the bathroom. Like, what did it look like? Yeah. yeah like, as the bathroom. Oh, it was really big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big bathroom. Realizing the mistake was an airlock for a bathroom, Ransom orders Rumdar transported off the ship. As Rumdar's like, can I have all the ship's codes now? No. Can you imagine? Really? I, I know this didn't happen. Can you imagine if they, uh, I'll just call it a Mr. Hanky floating behind him out in space. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, that's horrible. That'd be gross. On Packwood Planet, the Packwoods have surrounded Freeman and Shax when Rumdar beams to their location. The Emperor boasts that they've tricked Freeman, who he confused as Janeway again, and that they never wanted peace and that Rumdar was sent there as a spy. He asked Rumdar what he learned, and he says that he learned that the Cerritos bathroom, he confused with the Enterprise and obviously an airlock. They're huge. They're huge. And also, Freeman is not Captain Janeway, she lied. No, you guys have been screwing this up the whole time, but okay. Rumdar brags that he tricked her and that he didn't give up any information. Freeman decides to seize on that opportunity and tells him that you are indeed very amazing. And I just wish I knew what information you had kept secret just so I know how amazing you are. (laughs) I couldn't believe this worked. I mean, it's like telling a kid, no, you won't like this ice cream. It's spicy because you don't want to share something. (laughs) She actually tricks him into giving away the information about the plan that the Packlets have to smuggle a Peruvian bomb onto Earth. Wow. I know. That's actually pretty big. I'm surprised that they came up with the plan at all. Yeah. They're attacking Federation shipping lanes and they want to blow up Earth. What? I thought they were too dumb to be evil. Right. Unless there's still somebody that's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Because it it seems pretty big for them to be like, oh, yeah, I I have this big plan. Steve, did you just rip off a sheet of aluminum foil? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cues behind it. (laughs) Like, do we need to go deeper into this? No. No. (laughs) No. We've already had enough. 
for one episode. <laughs> Getting the information they needed, Freeman calls Rumdar a master spy, and Shax has them being back safely to the Cerritos. As they leave, the Emperor celebrates Rumdar's victory over Janeway. Wait, Freeman. Damn it. They'll get it right eventually. Uh-huh. Later in the cargo bays, Tendi apologizes for requesting anomaly consolidation duty and for rampaging around as a scorpion. Mariner tells her that collecting such strange items is indeed part of the fun of Starfleet and that she and Rutherford were admittedly being too pessimistic about it. Rutherford adds that they should have fed off your enthusiasm for the job rather than trying to tamp it down. Tendi hugs them before realizing that, ugh, I still smell like slug digested scorpion. <laughs> sure, that's what but you smell? Mar- yeah. I'm worried. I'm glad Mariner didn't explain it, but Mariner simply says that that's just the smell of adventure. Like, that's sweet. And then we have Casey and the Red Shirts heading for the bridge for the acting captain assignment when they run into Boimler. Casey tells them, you're no longer welcome amongst our red shirts. Yeah, and I'm it. just like, very Cindy. mean girl. Yeah. <laughs> Boimler's not bothered by it, saying that it's shameful that you're trying to build a persona simply by copying other captains and that you're wasting your time and mine with your little red shirts club. Casey is so unimpressed, but Jennifer Castro and the Zinti <laughs> decide that Boimler has a point and they should focus more on their duties. Casey grumpily allows them all to leave. And as Ransom is walking by, he nominates himself for acting captain. I love Ransom's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Ignoring Casey's enthusiasm yeah. before, in front of Casey, commending Boimler for his quick thinking with Tendi, noting that he showed real leadership. Oh, burn, Casey, burn. Yeah. Nap. <laughs> Like, ha ha, that's what you get. I really was. I was saying that and my husband's like, okay, you know what? They can't hear you, right? Yeah. Well, I get that all all the time. (laughs) As they all disperse, Castro invites Boimler to a Winger Bingstrom show later on. Oh, maybe he might have a little alone time. But on the bridge, Freeman has finished her communication with Starfleet, saying that everyone did a great job with the pack lids and invites the senior officers for a drink. Ransom gives Casey the con and leaves with Freeman. First of all, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she is in a galaxy-class starship. You know what? I'd be like a drink. Who's coming with me? Right. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. All right. Maybe she's taking a little RDJ. They're gonna have some uh, scotch up on, on the bridge or... <laughs> Not on the bridge, sorry. In 10 forward. Yeah. Why not? Because... Yeah, that'll be the next step. They'll be like madmen and drinking right on the job there. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that'd be horrible. Casey approaches the command chair giddily, and again, big anime eyes as he sits down. (laughs) But before he... I don't even think it's before he gets comfortable. I think it's before his butt touches the seat. (laughs) Almost. He has to rise for the new duty shift and yells at Casey to get out of my chair. Ah! Disheartened, Casey gets up before Shaq tells him to go and clean out airlock. (laughs) Rumdar did something unspeakable in there. (laughs) That's what I thought Tendi really smelled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. In the crew bugs, Tendi is excitedly telling Boimler about all the action he missed, and Mariner pulls out a sub-manifold casting stone that she smuggled out of Shax's pile of items. I'm guessing they don't keep track of this stuff. Right. Mariner notes how they can use that to broadcast their voice to other planets. I'm like, oh my god, it's going to be like they're the Watchers all of a sudden. Yes. (laughs) 
and they wonder what they can use it for. And Teddy jokingly suggests prank calling Armis. <laughs> when that was first said, I was like, Armis? And it took a second for it to flip over. <clears throat> wishing for someone to torture. <laughs> On Vegra 2, Armis is sitting alone, wishing for someone to torture. What the hell? When suddenly Mariner's voice tells him that he looks like a big bag of crap. Enraged over who's speaking, he demands they show themselves. And then you, I love that you hear the giggling, like, shh, shh, no, no. I know. (laughs) And Boimler teases him that they're touching his stuff. (laughs) Eager to find out who's speaking, Armis threatens them with death, calling himself the skin of evil. Mm -hmm. He trips and Tendi once more mocks him, causing him to curse, then scream in rage. I did not realize when they first said it who Armis was, and then as soon as they show it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just hoping Cindy and uh, in the shade, and maybe Dr. Midnight would be there, too. <laughs> yes, crossovers all around. Yeah, that's right. So, anybody up for a little Easter egg and Boomer talk? Yeah, oh, bring it on. Do it. Bring it on. get my tinfoil? Ensign Casey's name is officially revealed for the first time on screen. It was previously unofficially established in the closing captions for Strange Energies. Nikazinti Ensign, who first appeared in Ugudu Gamato, appears in this episode for the first time with a speaking role. Wow, everyone's getting their shot. Just like being captain. During his appearance while discussing poor posture, he demonstrated an example that reflected the posture displayed by the Kazinti Telegraph from The Slaver Weapon. Boy. These guys are going to digging deep, just like yes. uh, what What if? Yeah. <laughs> Boimler's uniform makeover with shoulder pads is a reference to the uniform costumes used on Star Trek The Next Generation, which had occasionally visible shoulder pads. Uh, yeah. During Captain Boimler's rousing speech to his crew, he imagined himself on the bridge of a galaxy-class starship, appearing like on the pre-Star Trek Generation ship, the uh, USS Enterprise D. How do we know it was D? This, uh, <laughs> this episode featured for the second week in a row the return of another legacy character from Star Trek The Next Generation. In this case, Armas from The Skin of Evil. Poor Talia. What was it? Talia Shar? Was it Talia? Or Talia Shar? They got absorbed. Yar is the last yeah. Yar, Yar, Yar. That's it. Yes. Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar. Denise Crosby, who you can hear from our interviews that I interviewed her back at New York Comic Con several years ago. Should have brought her back for this. She she was like uh, Leonard Nimoy. They both didn't like their role and didn't want to be defined by it. Then they couldn't help be drunk back to it. (laughs) Just kidding. I love Star Trek. Yep. (laughs) Well, any more thoughts on this episode? Yeah, just like it was a crossover from Stargirl. (laughs) (laughs) They all get together in one big room to even borrow ideas from each other. There we go. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Are you directing that at Jazz? Sorry, Jazz. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Lord Deck podcasts out there, but we're the best. Tell your friends, and I hope you like our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. You can go over to www.fangirlzone.com and hit the contacts page and find all the ways to get a hold of us. You can send Boomer Talk to Dave. You can send (laughs) questions about everything Star Trek to Steve, and you can send just random stuff to me because i don't know as much as these two in regards to star trek 
But I laughed nonetheless. But we'll never hear from Jazz again. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear from you. Don't forget. And yes, we are constantly trying to fix the website. So please, if you have ideas, you can send that to me too. The seventh episode is on September 23rd and is titled Where the Fountains Lie. Oh boy. So until then, remember. This is Chief Engineer Steve. No, I think we'll be okay. He just took a photo of his own foot. I'm Sean Fangirls, and are you getting a basmati when you pulled back the veil vibe? And this is Redshirt Dave, and I think I have a big enough helmet. Let me check my spear. Yep. <laughs>